T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Going to the Western Hotline because we got golf to talk is my man Brian Koziel. He's the host of Tita Green, Sabres pre uh, intermission and post game shows. Brian, uh, welcome, my friend, and happy Saturday to you. Yes, happy Saturday. Beautiful day out. And uh, the U.S. Open is already underway. There's like 12 hours of TV coverage today. It's On national TV, nonetheless. Like, you don't have to have one of those, like, you know, you don't have to have PGA Tour Live or ESPN Plus. Like, you can just tune on Channel 2 right now and watch, like, 10 straight hours of coverage. It's fantastic. And it's what's great, too. I know, you know, we value our summertime and beautiful weather here in western New York for obvious reasons. And the fact that the leaders aren't going to tee off yes. until <laughs> 435 I mean, you re- you really are going to get to watch what is going to be a lot of the good stuff here. You know, seven, eight, nine, yep. ten o'clock. It's going to be really good. Fantastic, which is great for me because I got a tea time tomorrow on Father's Day at three p.m. And I thought to myself, "What did I do?" But it was the only available tea time, and I'm thinking to myself, "The the leaders aren't going to even be teeing off until I'm on like the sixth hole, so we're good to go here." Um, there is some freaking storylines, Brian. Like I going into this uh, weekend, I probably put together. Uh, 10 fan duel lineups and I can tell you that it's going to end up being about $30 wasted because I certainly did not have Russell Henley, uh, Bubba Watson, uh, Mackenzie Hughes. Uh, I mean, I actually actually did put Kevin Streelman in one or two of those, but I guess my point is what a remarkable top of this leaderboard going into a weekend and you don't really have any of the top players in the world anywhere to be found. Matt Wolf hasn't played in a while, but he's at the top. Louis Oosthuizen shows up for majors. We know how that goes. John Rahm's up there and tied for fifth. But this is a fair. This is uncharted territory at the top of this leaderboard. Well, you have a guy on the top of the leaderboard in Bland that is 48 years old, and based upon his age, he would have been a big story. Thinking, could he be the oldest person ever to win a major? Julius Boros was like 48 and a half, and this guy, 48 in like eight months, he would have been even older. He would have possibly have a chance to set the record. Now, there's still two rounds to go, and my prediction is that he doesn't stick around. Right. But Phil Mickelson, of course, winning a month ago at the PGA, all that is mute. Mickelson, 51, when he ends up winning the PGA. So that uh, ended up changing that quite a bit here, as uh, he obviously had a historic win at the PGA Championship, but, I mean, boy, what a trend we're seeing here. Older players, guys that don't necessarily hit it 350 off the tee, guys that necessarily don't look like they could be professional wrestlers, are competing on the world's toughest courses on the biggest stages. So I guess it's a good sign for golf because 
I would say probably, Nate, and you and I had conversations about this on air, over the last calendar year, the big topic was about Bryson DeChambeau mm-hmm. and how far can he hit the ball and is he going to ruin golf and our golf course is not going to be able to keep up and all that sort of stuff. Well, look, you're ha- you had a 51-year-old win the PGA, and now you've got a 48-year-old who, by the way, now, now Mickelson does hit it far, you know. For, he does, yeah. In, uh, especially for his age. Bland does not hit it far, uh, comparably to the rest of the field. He hits it farther than you and I. But, sure, right. Um, <laughs> yeah. But for PGA Tour standards, he uh, he's a shorter hitter. But, man, it's all about accuracy for him, and it's all about making putts. The, my favorite stat about Bland is, well, there's two good ones. First of all, 478 starts, I believe, of professional golf, a decent amount of it on the European Tour, and he finally got a win earlier this year at the British Ma- British Masters, and that's what elevated him through skipping a few rounds of qualifying to get into this U.S. Open. He had only played in one other U.S. Open in 2009 at Bethpage Black. So for him, this is obviously a cool story that he persevered, got his first win at age 48, essentially after being you know, a career professional. So that's a cool story. But now this week, why is he performing well? Well, yes, he's been accurate off the tee, but how about this stat, Nate? And here's a stat that we would all love to have as a golfer. Ten feet and in, he's the only player not to miss a putt yeah, this week on these tricky, fast greens. He's 31 for 31, ten feet and in. That's incredible. Think about it. Take the easiest putt on your golf course. Make it perfectly straight or whatever break you want it, whatever speed you want it. Try and make 31 in a row. I, I guarantee you, you won't be able to do it. I know I couldn't do it. 31 straight, the exact same putt. This guy on these greens with these breaks and this speed is 31 for 31 from 10 feet and in. That's why he's on top. That's crazy to me. And and listen, I've got like five other players I want to touch on here. But before I do that, I, I think talking about the course makes sense when you're thinking about kind of who's at the top here and you're talking about some of the statistics that are maybe winning the day. And I keep hearing guys like Faldo, in particular Faldo, who has played at this course, who has won, you know, has played in U.S. Opens. I keep hearing the term like boring golf, right? Like, I think you have to sort of have this level of. I'm a flatliner, and you know what? You got look at the guys at the top: the Ustazins, the John Roms, the Xander Shifleys. These guys are patient. They they're consistent off the tee. Um, they don't make a lot of poor golf shots. They don't put themselves, you know, in position where you know you've got to lay up out of the thick rough, and you've got to be, you know. Essentially, my point is this course, when you look at the scorecard, this isn't a course with a lot of turns. This isn't a course that features like crazy obstructions and, you know, you can't see the pin. There isn't blind tee shots. Like, this is a course that plays straight and there is sand traps on each side and there's really high rough. It is, if you can keep it in the fairway and you can get greens and regulation, you're going to be rewarded. And I think, I think the guys at the top are really starting to, to show a trend that maybe the guys that are the, the go-for-it guys, the guys that, are, that, that play the riskier golf shots, I'm thinking Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka, right? Like These are guys that play riskier golf shots because they have it in the arsenal. Maybe that's not the game that, that puts you in the best position to win this tournament at this course the way that it's playing i've heard a few golfers say this week that the course is fair and hard but they said they were using the frame or the term like it's in front of me like i know exactly what it is is i know where safe is i know where trouble is i know if i hit it here 
what I'm going to have next. He's like, there's no tricks to it. So I, I think you're right. We've seen some other unique layout venues in major championships here over the past handful of years. Uh, Kiowa Island, a really cool look with a whole bunch of different sandy areas and everything like that. But, I mean, yeah, this is traditional, just straight down. you got to hit it straight. you got to hit it on the green. you got to avoid the rough around the green. And uh, I, I think this course, you're right, it's not flashy for sure. And I think partially, too, you know, we, Kiowa Island was so beautiful on the eyes that maybe people are thinking like, hey, this one, may, you use the word boring. Like, people are saying that. It, I mean, it, it's just a traditional golf course. That's what it is. And I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily boring. It's just you have to play a more, I guess I would say, stable sort of game in order to succeed here. And that's why we're seeing maybe Bland's have success, Henley has success, Ustazen is not a flashy player. He plays as steady as almost anybody on tour, and that's why he's always seeming to be around in contention in majors. So it's not a surprise that he's there. Um, There is, though, that group today that I think is going to have to play that riskier golf that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Look look at the names that are five shots back at even. DeChambeau, Kepka, Thomas, Morikawa, I think there's even more there than I'm missing. I know those are at least the four that I'm off the top of my head here that are right there. Five shots back. Bland and Henley, like just, okay, does the moment get to him? Does getting to the weekend, being in the final group, do they come back a little? Like, even if you say they come back a shot or two today, all right, can you make up two or three to give yourself a real chance tomorrow? I'm curious to see how aggressive Bryson and JT and Brooks play today. Morikawa, who we know can win a major two. How do they play today? How aggressive do they try to push it a little to see if they can get up the board? Uh, because if they can be within three or less going into tomorrow, then they got to feel really good about themselves. Yeah, and you know, I, the the guy I really want to talk about here for a second, Brian, is Russell Henley. Because I, I saw an article um, that basically started with the headline of two journeymen at the top of the leaderboard and Richard Bland and Russell Henley. And I'm thinking to myself, journeymen? I'm like, Henley's 32 years old. He's still rather young in his career, but this guy, it's made $17 million over the course of his career. Like, this isn't a journeyman. I think this is just a guy that's maybe not been... Maybe he just hasn't been at the top of leaderboards at the biggest events. But I, I would maybe refrain from from labeling Russ Henley if you don't follow a lot of golf and maybe this is not a name that's a household name for you. But calling him a journeyman, I, I, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm there with Henley. I think he's he's played a great first two rounds. He's got himself in a great position in the weekend here. Um, but a journeyman, I don't know, Brian. He's, I mean, everybody peaks at different ages for sure. I mean. Phil, I'm not comparing Henley to Mickelson, but remember Phil took a long while to figure out his game to win a major. I mean, he won majors at an older age and then has continued to obviously flourish ever since. But certain guys get it in their 20s. Certain guys wait till their 30s to get it. And some guys play their best golf in their 40s or even 50s. It's not even professionals necessarily, but anybody listening that's an amateur. You might be playing your best golf right now at age 50 because you just figured it out. So the PGA Tour is so deep what probably is labeled as, well, he hasn't won a major, so we'll call him a journeyman. You know, it's probably <laughs> because it's, it's the field is so deep right now. So I think that's why you're hearing your label. And, yeah, I mean, maybe it is, is necessarily not the best description for Russell Henley, but um, this is a guy that also is an accurate player, so maybe not a surprise that he's thriving in this sort of atmosphere where you have to be accurate and you have to limit your mistakes. Um, I, to me, the U.S. Open in years where there isn't, 
what I would consider to be those unfair or tricked out conditions where you uh, I hit a great golf shot and you're still not rewarded. Those are the times that I think the U.S. Open can become bothersome or annoying to watch. Uh, this year, I think it's totally set up fine in the sense that, look, when somebody hits a great shot, they're going to make birdie or have a chance to make an eagle or a birdie. And when somebody hits a poor shot, they're going to be punished. And I think that's ultimately what the USGA wants. There's some years where it's gotten so out of hand that it made the tournament ridiculous, and you've even heard players be outspoken about it. But uh, you haven't heard anybody complain about conditions or anything being unfair. Uh, and I think that's what you're going to see this weekend is, okay, who can just be the tactician and strategize their way around the course? There are some holes that you can make birdies on here too. And they've got a par five to finish on 18 over water. We know all the drama that Tiger Woods and Rocco Mediate had here when the Open was here in 08. So you still could end up with some sort of fantastic finish here. And uh, I, I think some of the course getting some bum raps, I, I think it might be a little out of line just because maybe it's not as flashy as some of the other courses we've seen. Uh, Brian Koza here on the Western Hotline talk a little U.S. Open action. Um, is Rory McIlroy the most frustrating player that maybe you've ever watched? <laughs> yeah, I mean – I thought McElroy, if he could figure out his first round disasters and not put himself out of it in day one, you got to give himself an opportunity. Now, he's plus one entering today. That's only six back. And there's not a ton of golfers in between, but there's a ton of decent golfers, yeah. big time major winners in that group that's at even, that group that's at like two and three under with Rahm and. Uh, Shoffley and those other groups there, those other guys. So, like, yes, he's going to have to push a little today. Aggressive Rory is maybe one of the most fun players to watch in golf when Rory is going at pins and trying to drive the ball. He, When he drives the ball and he's locked in, I think he's as good as anybody in the game. Uh, but if you look at McElroy's scorecard from yesterday, six pars total in 18 holes. So it was a lot of what we've been seeing out of Rory. Bogey, bogey, oh, birdie, birdie, and then a bogey, then a birdie. Oh, he'll sneak in a par in there. It's just he has got to just avoid the trouble. If he can do that, I, he's talented enough to make six or seven birdies in any of these rounds. That's how good he is. He just has not been able to avoid also going the other way, and that's been his issue here probably for the last five years, which is why we haven't seen him win a major since. Um, Brian, before I let you go, uh, the the last uh, two guys I'd like to talk about are uh, Xander Shifley and Bubba Watson. Obviously, Bubba has uh, a pair of majors uh, under his belt already, but uh, Shifley is um, is a player who is sort of on the precipice of greatness, and I think he seems like the kind of player that right now he gets that first major, and I think we're talking about a guy in the next two or three years that's going to be mentioned in the in the Kepkas, um, you know, at, I mean, say what you will, but Rory. Um, and, like, I think he is one of those top players in the world, but he just hasn't broken through yet. Is Do, do you think, I mean, he's, he's three, strats, uh, th uh, three strokes behind the leader in a very good position. Um, do you like his chances this week and, uh, or this weekend, I should say, and, and are, are you in agreement that, that like he's a major away from maybe really being considered one of the top golfers in the world? I think so. I think that he, to me right now, if you said, give me a name or two of who are the best golfers in the world, but they haven't won a major. I'm probably going Rahm and Shoffley as my first two. And, you know, maybe John Rahm, because he's got a little more flair, people might put him first. 
but Shoffley's been almost just as successful. Shoffley's trying a new putting grip. He actually has spoken out against locking the left arm against the putter. But he says as long as it's legal, he goes, I don't don't hold a grudge against anybody that's doing it, and now he's doing it. So if you watch Sanders Shoffley play this week, look at the fact he has a new putting grip. If that kind of feels good for him and he putts well, uh, he can win this tournament. He's obviously sitting right there in a great position. So uh, he's been there before. He's had a chance to win an Open Championship. He obviously made that run at Matsuyama this year when Matsuyama had that one tough hole at the 15th at Augusta. He could have actually been in a chance to win Augusta, at Augusta National and win a major at the Masters. So uh, he's right on the doorstep. I agree with you. He's going to get one here very, very soon. And maybe this is the week for him if his putting and his new technique for putting comes through for him. What I wanted to ask you about Bubba is just that I, I think for the better part of his career, he's been at least it's this is something that I've noticed just with, you know, friends who follow golf. And, you know, we kind of will, you know, we've all kind of got players that we like, that we talk about, that we support, that we follow. Um, I've always I don't want to say call myself like a closet Bubba fan, but I've always really liked Bubba, and I love his I love his approach to the game. I think it's unique how he uh, shapes the ball, how he has fun while he's playing, and for whatever reason, somewhere along the way, he's rubbed people the wrong way, and and he comes out and um, you know uh, after his first round um, is talking a little bit about um, some of the mental health stuff that and 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 Matt Wolf said the same thing. They're kind of talking about opening up, being or just being very transparent about some of the struggles that he's had and and I think that now that Bubba has sort of gotten through the youth of his career I think he's a far more likable player but I've always really liked Bubba and I'm just kind of wondering where you think he is at this point of his career with you know Masters he's got green jackets and I'm just wondering like if he's in contention in this tournament is he going to be a guy that I think maybe more people root for at this point in his career than maybe a couple years ago? I think so. The fact that he came out this week and supported Matthew Wolf, I think, is going to go a long way amongst his players. Uh, Matthew Wolf, the young player who, by the way, is one shot off the lead, finished second last year at the U.S. Open. Uh, the guy with the, if you don't know who Matthew Wolf is, he's the guy with the huge hitch in his swing before he starts. The young guy from Oklahoma State. Um, he spoke in support of Matthew Wolf about the stress of being a professional golfer and what it's been like for him through now a decade or so of playing uh, Watson is because Matthew Wolf said part of his struggles that he had earlier in this year was mental health issues. And Matthew Wolf has said, look, I, I'm not saying this for me, for publicity. He goes, I'm saying this just to kind of show support to everybody else. Like, yeah, I, it's, I'm having this too. So Watson came out this weekend, was really supportive of that, saying that he has been dealing with some of that throughout the course of his career. For Watson, golf-wise, if he's able to get a major beyond the Masters, I think that really kind of puts him up in the next echelon of mm. greats. The golf course at Augusta sets up great. We know for lefties, he loves that course. There's no rough. He can bomb it all over the place and kind of get away with it a little more than he can in other majors. He went on and win a, a U.S. Open, too. Now you're, you're talking about an elite career yeah. to win a mass, two Masters and a U.S. Open. I mean, that's totally two different setups and two different conditions. And Watson does have fun. He shapes the ball more than anybody. He, you see, he hit driver off the deck yeah, yesterday and I got a par it. five and two. Freaking love um, it. That's that's, <laughs> just, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. I don't know if I would suggest that for us no. amateurs to hit driver off. The no, deck definitely here. not, <laughs> and definitely not, not 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 at a U.S. Open. That, but that again, I yeah. think it's part of my argument of what makes him so so fun um, for especially younger guys. 
he's self Yeah. He, has, he did not have, like, a private instructor growing up. And that's where he came up with these, this very unique shot of, like, you know, I'm going to aim one fairway over, and it's going to end up back where I want it. And then I'm going to do it on the next hole. I'm going to aim the other fairway. And you, you know, know, Brian, on the, side, so on the right side. I think Bubba is a good example of how the game is changing. And and Bubba, Matthew Wolf, these young players. I'm, I'm not necessarily calling Bubba young at this point in his career. He's definitely been around, but like. 15, 20, 30 years ago, you know, you're not being taught a lot of different varied ways on how to swing and make contact with the, with the golf ball. Now, I think there is way more patience. There's more variety with how coaches – it's basically find the easiest way to generate swing speed and slot the club and and, and go for it. And I think there's way less of you, your swing needs to fit this particular mold and more of a free-thinking way of, of how to approach your golf swing. And I think – as we move towards the future of golf, I think it becomes more inclusive that way where you don't just have to have this pure swing, this Tiger or Rory swing. You can have hitches. You can have different ways to swing the golf club as long as you can create that swing speed and, and slot the club. I love what you're saying. It's a, we, Jeff Metis and I this morning on Tee to Green, we had the exact same conversation. We said, okay, look at the, next, look, look at the, the two golfers that are at minus four and the two golfers that are minus three. You couldn't have four different style yeah. swings. You have Ustazen, who's smooth as butter. Maybe, probably, I guess you'd label the most classic swing out of the group here that I'm talking about. Then you've got Wolf at minus four, that huge sw- uh, hitch to start his swing. And then, of course, he's almost not even on his toes when he hits it. He's so high off the ground. And then the next two that are at three under, you've got Bubba, who we've talked about him, shaping the ball in crazy fashion. And then John Rahm, who's got... A compact swing mm-hmm. barely takes the club back, but generates so much power. I mean, there's four guys all that could win this week, four totally different swings for each other that are all different compared to each other. So uh, I think your point's great. Jeff and I talked about it this morning with those four, and uh, you're right. It shows you don't have to fit a certain way of doing it to be successful, even at the highest level. All right, Brian, appreciate you, my friend. Enjoy this great, great weekend of golf. I know you'll probably get out at least one of those times. I'm getting out for Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to you as well. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk soon, man. We'll definitely get out uh, as well in the next week or two. Awesome. we Will do. Happy Father's Day to all the dads, and appreciate it, Nathan. Enjoy the golf, too. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.